Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. For our call to confession today, we turn to John chapter 5, John 5 beginning at verse 26. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Today is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and it's the last Sunday of the church calendar. It's also known as the Reign of Christ Sunday. When we consider the coming consummation at the end of history, at the end of the history and the beginning, uh, the consummation of the kingdom of God. So Jesus here in these verses describes that in John 5 that we will all come out of our graves at his command at the last day. So I'm going to preach today on these two topics and hope to connect them. Thanksgiving and God's act of ending history at Christ's return. We don't usually connect those two. We usually thank God for things that have happened. But in many psalms, God also prompts us to thank him for what he will do. And that's one of our callings today. So first, are we giving God thanks? Do we have a grateful attitude or do we have an entitlement mentality? So many people today are growing up thinking that life owes them so much. But many places in scripture call us to be grateful for what we have instead of resentful for what we do not have. So give it a greater effort this year on Thanksgiving Day. Have your kids list and name things at the table. Write out your best Thanksgiving prayer and lead your family with it. Research some of the history of the original pilgrim Thanksgiving in this nation. Read psalms of Thanksgiving together and presidential proclamations. And second, do we remember the reign of Christ now over the world and in your life? So often when we go through trouble, we quickly forget that Jesus is still on the throne He is working all things together for the good of those who love him. We're sorely tempted to doubt this many times, but it is true. And last, are we looking to the end of the story, when Christ's reign will be complete, when all things will be ordered rightly to him? That gives us encouragement now, or it should. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. Oh, come, let us worship. Turn back to God's Word once more. Psalm 66 is the sermon text. I invite you to turn there with me if you have your Bibles along. Psalm 66. I'm using the New King James today. And let's consider the theme of giving thanks from this psalm. Once again, hear God's Word. To the chief musician, a song, a psalm. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. 
Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. O bless our God, you peoples, and make the voice of his praise be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. I will go into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals. With the sweet aroma of rams, I will offer bulls with goats. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we consider the words of your psalmist once again. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Let that be true of us here now. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. With you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Lord, again, let this be true of us today in this hour, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, today we consider the theme of thanksgiving, and many psalms are psalms of thanksgiving. We started off with some of those in the service today. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Uh, some, uh, some urgent pleading uh, of the psalmist to God that men would praise, would thank the Lord. Here in this psalm, in Psalm 66, we have an opening in the first four verses, just a general call to praise God. And then verses 5 through 16 or so, we have, we have the present situation. Actually, I missed a section. Verses 7 through 16, we have kind of the present situation of the psalmist. And in verse 5 and 6, the psalmist uh, turns and says, come see what God has done. See what he has done. So I want to uh, talk today about thanksgiving for our past and our present and our future. I kind of like the, the past, present, future thing. I do it at the Lord's table often. I thought I'd take that uh, structure for today as well. Give thanks to God for your past, for the works of God uh, that he has shown to you. Uh, we see that in verse 5 especially. See the works of God. He is awesome in his doing. He turned the sea into dry land, verse 6. And then uh, later on, and now I 
didn't have this written down, but I wanted... Ah, yes, verse 16 is just a beautiful verse. Come and hear, all you who fear God. I will declare what he has done for my soul. <laughs> That's a precious verse. And, we, and to declare it to others, we have to know it ourselves. What is it exactly that God has done for your soul? So we want to think about how God has blessed us in the past. There's three ways, really, creation and redemption and providence uh, that, I, uh, that I thought of this week. But we th- want to thank God for uh, creation. Thank God just for giving you life. I was um, watching an interview this recently with um, Seth Dillon, the Babylon Bee guy. He was being interviewed by somebody, and they got into a, an abortion discussion. And he uh, brought up the fact that there are many uh, people who survive uh, botched abortions or, or uh, their mothers were raped and they still had the baby and they're the survivor and they're strong pro-life advocates. And I thought, wow, what a, what a testimony that we ought to thank God just for giving me life. That didn't have to happen. And, and for some people, it almost didn't, didn't happen. God has created us. He made us. Revelation 4 and 5 I uh, memorized in seminary uh, years ago. And that's a beautiful passage that looks at that, especially chapter 4. It's just in the throne room of God, uh, men and angels and cherubim, all of creation, thronging the throne and giving God thanks simply for him making them. And that God gets all honor and glory for that because you have created us. And we think of that, of course, in the harvest season. We have creation blessings all around us. And we need to remember that. Thank God for your past in creation. Thank God for your past in redemption. We see in verse 6 of Psalm 66, uh, the, the psalmist recalls the exodus. Or it may be that he's recalling the crossing of, of Israel in, uh, across the Jordan River into Israel. Either way, he turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. Maybe he's bringing both to mind. Uh, That's a very common um, occurrence in the Psalms. Many Psalms look back to that event. God redeemed Israel from Egypt. And we should remember that. And we should remember the New Testament fulfillment of that in Christ. Uh, That's a a key, the ultimate thing we have to be thankful for. for. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that we would not perish, but have eternal life. That's something to be thankful for. (laughs) And that's an understatement, not just something. So thank God for your past in creation and in redemption. Thank God for the providence in your life in the past. Uh, I've, uh, in, it was some time ago, I also uh, memorized Philippians uh, 1, and that's why I turned there today, Philippians 1, where Paul uh, begins the body of his letter with those simple four words, I thank my God, and what is he thanking God for? For the church in Philippi, for the people there, I thank my God whenever I remember you, in every prayer of mine, I'm praying for you with joy that you would know the fellowship of the gospel, that you would be confident that God's going to complete the work he started in you. It's, it's glorious. That the, God's providence in our life, part of that is that he brings people into our lives who have fellowship with us in the gospel. That is an immense blessing that we so often take for granted. So thank God for your past in creation, in redemption, in providence. A bit more on that providence point. Reflect on your life. 
And here, this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine. It's also kind of a, a penchant of mine. Um, holidays, we're going to have Thanksgiving this week, right? Holidays are not mainly meant for getting work done around the house, right? I, I hope you know that. It's, it's often in practice what we end up doing. There's not, nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying never do any home projects on a holiday. But, but remember that holidays are there mainly to consider your life, to consider the gospel truth that, the ho- that that holiday shows, and then to connect those two things. Put those two things together. That's what the pilgrims did at the first Thanksgiving. Right? Think about that. They realized God had helped them to survive with the help of the Indians. And yes, I'm going to be politically incorrect. Sorry. So, so they invited the Indians to thank the Indians, yes, but mainly to thank God for providing for them. They connected God's works with their own life. And they saw that God was at work in their lives. That's what we've got to be doing on holidays like Thanksgiving. So often we get focused on the turkey and whatever else it is and the family gathering. And that's, that's all good. I'm not saying those are bad things. But they're secondary to what this is all about. Recall what God has done for you. That can be so foreign to us. We need to relearn how to do it. Thanksgiving is actually a pretty easy one. Just count your blessings, right? I read a book I've forgotten the title of a while back. Uh, the, it was an interesting book. The beginning of it, it, it said, uh, one thing that you should do as you read through this book is start a Thanksgiving journal, uh, just a list. Just list v- different things that you're thankful for and see if you can get up to 1,000. So as you read through this book, just keep writing down things you're thankful for and get to 1,000. I thought that was quite good. It's the opposite of the world's ritual at this time of year, right? What's the world's ritual at this time of year? You know, it's to make a list of all the things that you want that you don't have because Christmas is coming, right? That's, that's the ritual. Notice that. The world is training us to the opposite of gratitude. List all the things that you want. Well, how about listing all the things that, we, that God's done for us that we have instead? little pet peeve of mine there. Anyway, you know, the, 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 the ads go something like this. Or you get thinking this way in your head. All your friends have this. Without this, you won't be happy. Uh, uh, the grocery prices are too high. There's all kinds of thoughts that we have that, that train us in ingratitude, right? Let's look around instead and see all that God has given us. Just, you know, thinking about groceries, right, and Thanksgiving coming. Just the fact that you can get corn in a can at a store for a dollar, maybe it's two dollars now, I don't know. Instead of going to the field and harvesting it yourself and shucking it and milling it into flour and so on, I mean, that's an amazing act of providence that God has done. So much to be thankful for. So thank God for your past, creation, redemption, providence. Thank him also for your present situation. And here we look at verse uh, 7 through 12 in Psalm 66. Let's get back there a moment. Psalm 66, verse 9. He keeps our soul among the living. He does not allow our feet to be moved. God has preserved us 
But verse 11 and 12, look there. It has not been easy. Right? You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You've caused men to ride over our heads. So not only has the budget been tight, or disease has come, or whatever it is, but, but there's been oppression by others. People are, are oppressing us. Uh, and the, the psalmist brings this up in a psalm of thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving isn't about just saying, oh, it's not all that bad. It, thanksgiving isn't an act of denial, right? It's looking at our lives rightly. The psalmist can look at that affliction and not be resentful. Not lose his thankfulness, but see God at work, refining us in the crucible, like we heard last week from Elder Nathan. So, you know, think of the pilgrims once again, as we think of that historical event. What was it? I didn't get to look up the numbers exactly, but something like 50 out of 100 of the original pilgrim colony survived, made it. Half of them died, roughly. I forget the exact numbers, Right? And, and once they had a, a harvest that was going to sustain them for a year at least, they gave immense thanks to their God in Christ. That, that's quite the hardship that they came through. And maybe that's your present situation. Maybe you're in that kind of hardship, that kind of trial. That's the time for thanksgiving. Uh, harvest, for me personally, is the time of year I think back to uh, Holland, where I was born and raised, and the farm, and I think of combining corn. That's what I think of when I think of harvest. And a few years back, my brother, who w- was on the combine, he owns the farm now, and he got down to fix a, a jam in the combine, and he woke up on the ground with half a finger missing. Affliction in the present, right in the midst of harvest. Right? Harvest brings joy, but we are often in distress. Think of the, the election we just went through, right? That, that brings some distress to us. We're in a state as a nation where most people respond to our most cherished beliefs with skepticism and hostility. And that can be really discouraging. But I want you to note, and I threw this into my sermon at the last second here yesterday and this morning, Jesus embraced that situation. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John 4, and and let's look at that. In John 4, you had that same kind of situation. John 4 is, if you know, it's where Jesus sits with the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And that story is very fascinating, the conversation. We usually focus on the first half of the chapter, but the second half of the chapter is where things get really interesting, and we sometimes forget so he's talking with the woman at the well. Uh, she's convinced. She's converted, right? She leaves her water jar there, and she goes back to town. And she says to everybody there, come see a man. Let's see. This is verse 28, I believe. Yes, verse 29. She says, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. And then they went out of the city, and they came to him. Right? And then the scene shifts. Right? So as all these Samaritans are coming out of the town to, towards the well to see who this guy is, to see Jesus, Jesus is talking to the disciples, right? And he says to them there, uh, verse 35 especially, uh, they're asking him about food, and he's saying, I've got food you don't know about. 
And he says, don't you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Here we are back at the harvest theme. This is why I went here, right? Look, uh, rest of verse 35. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Now, when he said that, he wasn't talking about physical grain or corn in the physical fields. Because remember, the Samaritans are coming out of the town, coming to see who Jesus is. He's talking about the Samaritans. They are the harvest. The nations are ripe for harvest, is what Jesus is saying. And now remember the, remember the skepticism, remember the hostility that people have towards us these days. That's baked right into this story. Because these are Samaritans, right? They're extremely suspicious of Jews and Jews of Samaritans. It was an ethnic thing. It was a religious thing. There was a great deal of hostility. And Jesus just barrels right into that. And instead of going around Samaria like most good Jews did, he went through Samaria and even stays with them for a few days. That's anathema to a good Orthodox Jew. No, we need to go to the nations with the gospel. So never mind uh, if people seem skeptical or hostile. Go to them and invite them to God. That takes us right back to Psalm 66. I'll stop there in John 4 now. But back in Psalm 66, verse 16, let's turn back there and see what does the psalmist say after he talks about his present situation, after a, gen, uh, a general invitation to thank God. Verse 16, Come and hear all you who fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. Invite men to God. And I, I like the verses just before, 13 through 15. I will go into your house. I will pay you my vows. I will offer your burnt sacrifices. As we invite men to God, we need to be going to God in worship ourselves. Right? That's the idea. That's, uh, so not only do we have a present situation here to thank God for, we also have a present obligation we need to invite men to God. We need to go worship God ourselves. Uh, Psalm 78 is good on this. We often use this at the beginning of the service, right? Uh, I will declare to my children, I will tell their children what God has done for me, right? You can start this with your own family. Tell one another, tell one another as spouses, tell your children what God has done for you. And as you try to do that, as you try to articulate that, it'll come a bit clearer to you yourself. That's always the case. The teacher learns the most, they say. When I, when I'm, when I have to explain something to you, I learn it the best myself. I don't, there, there's a way of learning it in doing that and having to do that that I don't know as well until I have to explain it, right? It's the same with you with your family. If you force yourself to, to tell your family what God has done for you, you're going to learn a lot about what God has done for you do that. That's something Thanksgiving is all about. So start with your family. Uh, another part of our present obligation, just going through the, the chapter, uh, Psalm 66, is in verse 18, uh, where, where uh, the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Right? That's part of our obligation in the present too. Do not regard iniquity in your heart. That's part of your act of thanksgiving. Well, uh, let's move on from the past and the present to look at the future. Consider the future. This is uh, what the, the church year calls Reign of Christ Sunday. 
And it's named that because it's the last Sunday of the church year. So the point is, we're looking forward to the full reign of Christ, right? It's what they call the already and the not yet, right? In a sense, of course, Christ is already reigning. But there's a sense in which he is not yet reigning. And I I forget where I read this, uh, but it pointed me to Hebrews 2, right? Uh, At this time, we we do not see things all subjected to Jesus, I think it's Hebrews 2, 8 says that. And then the very next phrase, though, says, but we see him. Right? It's, that, that's kind of the already, the not yet. So it's not that Jesus is not reigning now yet, but in the end, Jesus' reign will be obvious to all. He will reign forever. And that's what Je- uh, Jesus points us to in Matthew 13. I love how he told so many parables about the kingdom, and he himself is the king of the kingdom. And that, I think that truth was very often lost on his original audience. He's talking about the kingdom of God, but as he's doing that, he's the one bringing it about. He's the sovereign one. He's the one that's going to be on the throne as all these things happen. It's astounding. Matthew 13, verse 24. Let's turn there. As this will be the last place we go, and then we'll close. Matthew 13, this parable he tells, the wheat and the tares, right? And part of the point here is, uh, thank God for your future, for the future. Uh, We ought to thank God that he's going to end history well. That's something we ought to be thanking God for, because he's going to do it. The Bible tells us that. There's a a, a hymn, I think it's uh, My Father's World, a great line in that hymn that says, Though the wrong be oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. And that's just critical. Uh, Verse 40 and 42 of of this Matthew 13 chapter. As the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. Think about that. All the evil, all the wickedness that we see run rampant in the news, day after day after day, everybody thumbing their nose at God, getting away with it, people celebrating that. That is all just so much chaff that's laying in the field, just waiting for the angels to come scoop them up and toss them on the burn pile. That's true perspective. And if we lose that perspective, we get discouraged. We get despondent. And it is a longer timeline than we like. But God's fire doesn't refine them, it removes them. God's going to do away with that. The reign of Christ will be pure and perfect and complete. And verse 43, Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. There's going to be a vindication of those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized, who are persecuted for their faith. And God will bring that to us. So we thank God, once again, just to close, for our past, our present, and our future. We thank God for ending history well through Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for all of these things. Your word 
uh, reveals so much to us. Uh, give us uh, more desire, more uh, mental energy to, to love you with our minds, to, to mind the depths of this word that you've given. We thank you for uh, showing us the last day, uh, the angels gathering in the harvest. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would keep us uh, as the fruitful wheat. Thank you that you promise to gather us into your barns uh, where we will be safe, protected, fruitful, effective in your kingdom. Lord, we ask that as we uh, move towards celebrating Thanksgiving this week, that you would give us indeed thankful hearts that overflow into concrete actions that our friends, our family can see and benefit from themselves. All this, Lord, we ask uh, in the name of Jesus, the ever living Lord. we turn to Revelation 19 at the end of the story of course verse 6 I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings saying Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. On this last Sunday in the church year at Thanksgiving time, we remember that harvests lead to laden tables. Our national story is one of hardship, pilgrims trusting providence, and then prosperous harvests. This is a pale but true shadow of God's big story of his church in the world. Revelation tells the story well. The serpent has it in for us and gets helpers like the beast to help him. And historically, this has been popular opinion hostile to Christianity and tyrannical governments trying to stamp us out. But every week, God invites us to look ahead to the end of the story, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We sit here acting out how it's going to be. God's enemies overthrown, his friends sitting in peace and triumph and, and joy and a feast because the Lamb has conquered. We often look back at the Lord's Supper in solemn reminder of the cross and what Jesus did to atone for our sins before God. And that is right. We also ought to look forward at the Lord's Supper to the coming triumph, even to taste a bit of it now. As we sang earlier, I think, or we're going to sing next, he's going to bring the fruitful ear to store in his garner evermore. So even so, Lord, quickly come to thy final harvest home. Gather your people in, free from sorrow, free from sin. They're forever purified in your presence to abide. Come to Christ and let us receive him alone for our salvation today.
the body of Christ broken for you. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.